I'm still floored and in shock, but I guess I shouldn't be. We will not see Tez Walker on the field Saturday against App State or the rest of the season as the NCAA continues to find new ways to undermine their already repugnant reputation. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, September 8th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us for your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your first purchase. Listen, I'm obviously going to get you prepped for the App State game that's coming up on Saturday. That's that's a big part of why we're here. But we cannot, cannot begin this episode any other way than talking yet again about the Tez Walker situation because it has taken another ridiculous twist on the NCAA path of incompetency. <laughs> The committee reviewing Tez Walker's case has voted to deny the reinstatement of his eligibility, and that means that he will not be able to play the rest of this season. I'm not going to relitigate all the points of the case again. We've been there, done that. You can go read it or listen to earlier podcasts, all the arguments for why this seems completely common sense. But here's where I'm at. I am absolutely dumbfounded. I cannot believe this is the result. Now. Perhaps I shouldn't be surprised because the, the, the NCAA just never does what seems to be the right thing, regardless of what they say. Their actions prove that they feel differently than what they say in terms of caring about student-athletes. Um, but it, it, it just seems so obvious, too easy of a case that should be overturned. At some point, common sense has to prevail, right? What, like, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe it just made too much sense. It's like a strike that's so far down the middle of the plate that the ump calls a ball. I guess it was just too far down the middle of the plate. And that's why we're denying Tez Walker's appeal. I mean, this is just an absolute travesty. I, I, I hate it. Now, let's say this. From a football standpoint, let's get this out of the way. This lowers Carolina's ceiling for this season. I I firmly believe that. And I know Tez Walker has not played a regular season snap of FBS football for for an FBS or a, a Power 5 conference team, I should say. However, there are moments, and this is one of them, where things are bigger than what happens on a football field. This is about a young man. This is about a human being. This is about a family, his blood family and his Tar Heels family. This is about a student athlete losing out on current and potential future earnings because of a governing entity deciding to be petty and to hold to a self-set standard that they don't need to hold to when it doesn't make sense to hold to it. It just feels like there is no consistency in the way they adjudicate their own laws. 
and guidelines and bylines and whatever it is. And and why? To, to, to prove a point? What is it? Man, come on. If you're going to say you're taking care of student-athletes, then you daggone better take care of student-athletes. Forgive my Roy Williams-ness there. <laughs> to, to that point, this, com- this decision comes literally a day after the NCAA put out this completely tone-deaf tweet supposedly supporting student-athletes in their mental health. It, it read, quote, Behind every game, hidden struggles persist. To all student-athletes, know you're not alone in your fight. Together we can break the stigma surrounding hashtag mental health, end quote. Yeah, I'm with you. I completely agree with that statement. We need to do everything we can to love on and take care of and provide for these student-athletes. But you can't say that in one breath and turn around and then make decisions like this. That, that I know the mental health part of it, Fortez Walker, is just one part of the many various things. But man, this is this is hypocrisy. I, like the easiest to point out hypocrisy I, I've seen in a while. These two things stand in stark juxtaposition to one another. Well, there were several statements. I mean, Carolina leadership is all on the same page with this. There was statements from Mac Brown, from AD Bubba Cunningham, from Chancellor Kevin Guskowitz, and there's no end of people. Uh, you know, sports luminaries, both in the media, athletes, coaches speaking up on Tez's behalf. I mean, it just feels like there's this massive outpouring that is just being ignored by the people that are making the decisions. Uh, let, let me read you part of Mac Brown's statement. He says, quote, I don't know that I've ever been more disappointed in a person, a group of people or an institution than I am with the NCAA right now. Plain and simple, the NCAA has failed Tez and his family, and I've lost all faith in its ability to lead and govern our sport. That is a big, big statement from Mac Brown. Like, the implications of that last line from somebody that's the only, the only head coach in FBS history to have 100 wins at two schools a guy that spent so many years working at ESPN. He knows what he's saying when he says this. Let me give you part of A.D. Bubba Cunningham's uh, statement. Quote, this decision undermines the fair treatment of student athletes and further erodes the public's confidence in our national governing body. End quote. That's right in line with what Mac Brown's saying. I don't know if we're headed somewhere different, but those two quotes seem... To say so, here's Chancellor Kevin Guskowitz's um, statement. His is shorter. I'll read the entire thing to you. Quote, we are deeply disappointed that the NCAA against Tez Walker's eligibility when we believe the facts of his situation should obviously permit him to play this season. There is a time when organizations need to be flexible enough to do the right thing in unique circumstances to best serve the personal welfare of those they serve. We will continue to support Tez in any way possible at Carolina now and in the future, end quote. And and here's the thing for me. If the NCAA was going to be consistent in their adjudication, I, I could get it. But at least from where I sit, it seems that there's complete lack of consistency. I still have yet to hear a defense as to why other players with similar or even, you know, 
bigger levels of transfer things are getting to play. JT Daniels, who's been quarterback at USC, at Georgia, at West Virginia, and now at Rice, is playing. And I know there are countless others, but that's just been a, a popular example to throw around. I, I I need to hear this is to me. If you're denying Tez Walker, something like this is indefensible, indefensible. And then it's hilarious because, uh, you know, I'm uh, also in the college basketball media world. I co-host locked on college basketball. We talk a lot college basketball here. And so I'm, I'm kind of in a lot of the college basketball world. And I saw two college basketball media guys with two very different approaches to this Tez Walker situation on Thursday. I want to applaud one. And the other, not so much. Let's get that negative out of the way first. Jeff Goodman, uh, honestly, stuck his foot straight in his mouth on Twitter. It, it feels like you know we've had we had Jeff on the show last summer. I've talked with Jeff personally, like at at games and things like that. And it just seems like there's times when he intentionally works to rile up a fan base with tweets and things like this. Um, I thought he was trying to kind of subtweet Mac Brown in an effort to get the Carolina fan base like up in arms. He quote tweeted Mac's statement of which part of which I just read to you a second ago. And then he said, quote, Mac Brown in April and quoted Mac saying the other thing they've done. Uh, the, the NCA is the they with the transfer portal, which I think is good, is they've said that you can't transfer twice undergraduate without getting a waiver. So Jeff Goodman is trying to say that Mac has flip-flopped, that he said that, but now that it serves him, he's saying something different. That ain't it at all, Jeff. Mac would still stand by that statement today. You have to recognize that Jeff is completely missing the point here. It's not that Mac has flip-flopped. It's that to Mac Brown, it's clear and obvious that Tez should get a waiver. That's all he's saying. So he's not changed his mind. And honestly, it's still debatable to me if if Tez should even be classified as a two-time transfer. That's part of it, too, given all the circumstances surrounding what's going on. So just a bad, bad look for Jeff there. Just not good. Jay Billis, on the other hand, which is funny because he's a dookie, but he is the this guy that always continues to be a voice for student athletes advocating on their behalf to the NCAA or against the NCAA, always calling them out on these kind of things. So uh, Jay quote tweeted Bubba Cunningham's statement, and he said, quote, unbelievable. Hey, NCAA, stop saying, quote, student athlete welfare, end quote, and mental health, unquote. You clearly don't care about either. And if you know Jay Billis, you know that he has a legal background. So when people start saying, all right, now Tez Walker should sue the NCAA, Jay's somebody that would know if that is a, a realistic or feasible thing. And um, to, to that point, you know, some, some have mentioned that, oh, take him to court just willy-nilly, and they don't know about anything. So I was curious if Jay would actually comment on the legal side of this, and actually he did. Somebody on Twitter asked him, Jay, what chance would UNC have in filing a suit and injunction allowing him to play during the legal processes? And Jay wrote back and said, I'd be in federal court in the morning. The NCAA, and I love this, arbitrarily and capriciously enforces its arbitrary rules, end quote. Y'all, that's all I need to hear. 
take the NCAA to court. I've been saying it a lot, but as we've got into all this NIL stuff and the NCAA is trying to push back on student athletes, courts have been saying, bring those cases on. We got you. The NCAA is, is not what they're doing is, is unfair. And so I don't know if, if they would have that same view here, but might as well take a shot at it. So anyway, what's next? Will we see legal action? Will Carolina just accept the news and move on? I I don't know yet as of this recording, but obviously we're going to find out and we will hear. But here's what we do know for now. The North Carolina Tar Heels football team will host App State on Saturday, and they will do so without wide receiver Tez Walker. And by some astonishing turn, that will also be true of every football game in the 2023 season. This is wrong. And it should be fixed. Well, as frustrating as that Tez Walker news is, there is still, as I just said, a football game to be played on Saturday and one on Saturday. I'll get you ready for App State with our first what to watch for W2W4 of the season. But first, I need to tell you that today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Nutrafol. Hey, listen, I just got some Nutrafol shampoo and conditioner. I don't need as much conditioner as I usually do when I have my longer curly hair. I can already tell that it's helping. You need to check it out. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health because Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that provides and promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. It's the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. And this, this works, Nutrafol. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol's uh, men's hair growth supplements. So find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for better hair. Nutrafol.com slash men. Again, that's Nutrafol.com slash men and in a promo code locked on college. Y'all, it's Friday, and that means it's time for Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. If you're listening early enough, today, Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College Channel's YouTube page. Come check it out. All right. It is time to talk Saturday's football game hosting App State, second game of the season. And it is time to exercise some demons from this game last year. You remember it. Carolina beat App State 63-61, to but... Let's be honest, in so many ways, that didn't feel like a victory. It felt like a loss to the point that I keep wanting to call this a revenge game. I mean, you enter the fourth quarter with a 20-point lead, 41-21, to and then you give up 40 points in those final 15 minutes and yet escape with a victory. Yeah, that's a W on the scoreboard. Absolutely, you won the game. But I guarantee you, the Tar Heels did not leave Boone feeling like champions that day. And so the defense in particular is going to have to overcome the mental hurdle of what happened in this game last year. Granted, it's in Chapel Hill and not Boone, North Carolina. A very different scenario there. So now, not only is Saturday's game an opportunity to prove that what happened last week against South Carolina was not a fluke, but also an opportunity to show how different your defense is this year against a team that put up 61 on you last year. And I know it's not the identical same team. They have a lot of the same pieces. Um, 
and they're going to, you know, they know what they did to North Carolina last year, and they're going to feel ready to do it. So, yeah, last week was great against South Carolina, but you got to prove it wasn't a one-off. You can do anything for a week or one game. That's just such a small sample size. So how do you sustain that? How do you build on it? How do you set a season-long pattern building one game at a time, as Mac Brown has been saying, from good to great? That's what we're watching for this week. And to get you ready, I've got my first W2, W4 of the season. That's how we do pre-game or uh, game previews here on Locked on Tar Heels. What to watch for. So I give you four things to watch for. Cheesy, right? I know, but I'm a dad. That's what I do. So number one, legitimately, can the O-line do it again? Zero, zero sacks allowed last week against South Carolina. Now, here's the here's the truth. Zero sacks allowed. We we credit that to offensive lines. And it is chiefly them. But also, that's Drake May doing his part to go through his progressions, make the right read, get rid of the ball, not hold on to it too long trying to make plays. Uh, that's because of Chip Lindsey doing his part, the offensive coordinator to get Carolina into the right sets and schemes and things. That's because of their rec- the receivers doing their part to get open, running precise routes, other things. Um, but again, to me, this falls on the O-line as, as the clear group that deserves the majority of the praise for keeping Drake May clean last week. And I want to see, and I, I know it's App State, and I know Carolina scored 63 points on him last year, but you got to prove it again. You have to go out and do this exact same thing that you did um, last week against the Gamecocks. Because if not, and now you're playing App State, you're proving uh, what people think is true. Like, ah, that's just whatever. Last year, Drake May was sacked three times against App State. So it's not like, oh, it's App State. They're not going to get to him. Absolutely, they can. And they did last year. So that's the first thing I'm watching for. The other thing, the same thing on the other side of the ball. Just like number one, can the O-line do it again? Number two, can the D-line do it again? Now, same thing. I know that all the sacks, all the tackle TFLs, all the low rushing numbers for South Carolina last week were not all credited to the D-line. But hey, just like I said about the O-line, I give the D-line the vast majority of the credit for what the defense did in totality last Saturday. This is a group that last season, just quite frankly, the D-line did not make life uncomfortable for opposing quarterbacks. This is a group that just allowed quarterbacks to get fat and happy sitting in the pocket last year. And sure, the secondary looked bad too last year. We talked a lot about that. But to me, it's because they have to defend receivers forever because the D-line's not getting home to the quarterback. Cedric Gray, Power Eccles, they're going to do their jobs. They they clock in game after game after game. But when the D-line is doing their job of getting home, it makes the whole unit look infinitely better. So here's what I'm watching. Can Des Evans, can Kamen Rucker, Miles Murphy, Kevin Hester, Tamari Fox... Bo Atkinson, Amari Gaynor, Jacoby Cowan. Can these guys do more of what happened last week and make life absolutely miserable in App State's backfield tomorrow on Saturday? And I just named, what, like eight dudes? That's legit, that legit too deep across that front line that Coach Brown has been wanting and looking for. Got to make it happen. What to watch for point number three. Switching Switching back to Carolina's offense, I'm looking to see... If Carolina can maintain the balanced offense 
that they had last week. I said it, but I loved the fact last week that it wasn't some eye-popping mind eye-popping eye-popping mind-boggling statistical game for Drake May. I love that, you know, I would love to get rid of the interceptions, but outside of that, Drake May just went out and did what Carolina needed him to do while they also established a ground game while the defense helped out and and it allowed Drake to take weight off his shoulders to not feel like he had to be superhuman. You just go out there and do what Drake May does. Make plays, be quick, get, get I mean make some ridiculous passes that a lot of other people can't. But even without Tez Walker, even without Nate McCollum, he wasn't carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders and I loved it. To that point, you know, we're talking about a balanced attack, but if Nate McCollum is still banged up, do not play him on Saturday. Would be if I'm Coach Brown. You you have to determine what percentage of Nate McCollum's health is like go time. But against App State, I mean, I know there's this thing where you got to get a transfer receiver worked into the mix in in game action. But if he's not, what what would you say, 80, 85 percent or better? I'm not risking it, man. Too important the ACC play coming up. I would hold him all the more so after the Tez news of Thursday. But another part of this balanced attack is what's the ground game going to look like? Great. I, I loved how Carolina went about establishing the running game last week and, and that it wasn't a ton of Drake may in that running game. So like, how does British Brooks follow up his second career hundred yard rushing game? How does Omarion Hampton continue to develop? Will we see, much of Caleb Hood or Elijah Green. Um, the six, And beyond that, the success of Brooks and Hampton last week also meant fewer runs for Drake May. I would love to see more of that. Keep that man up and healthy. To wit, last week, Hampton, 16 rushing attempts. Brooks, 15 rushing attempts. Drake May, just four. I can live with that. Because you, you don't want to not utilize his legs at all. You just want to mitigate it. And I think another part of helping create a balanced attack, man, is keep relying on that experienced tight end room between Kamari Malice, <laughs> Malice, Kamari Morales, and John Copenhaver and Bryson Nesbitt, man. Just use those dudes to your advantage. And then fourth in the what to watch for, can the Tar Heels use the Tez Walker news as motivation rather than a distraction? Because it could very easily become a distraction of like, Oh, we're pissed and we're mad and it takes us out of our game. That's different than we're really frustrated what happened and we're going to go out here and play North Carolina football, stay within ourselves, but yet go out there and play for Tez, right? There's a big difference in those two approaches. I'm looking to see motivation, not distraction. The coaching staff is going to do a great job getting them off an emotional roller coaster and just keeping them on that even keel. Well, I also want to say a couple things we should be watching out for with App State. Plus, of course, I've got my game predictions for you. All of that is coming up in just a second. Right after I tell you that today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Game Time. Hey, listen, life's always so busy. Last thing I need is to be stressed out trying to buy tickets to an event. Thankfully, there's Game Time, and it has killer deals on last-minute tickets for all the events you want to go to. Beyond that, something else I love about Game Time Anytime I'm choosing seats for an event, I'm always trying to find that like view from my seat kind of thing. 
Game time has that right in their app where you can see your view from the seat you're picking. So forget planning months in advance. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, whatever it is. Game time has it. I love also that the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find a better ticket, in a uh, cheaper ticket, I guess I should say, in the same section and row, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Once again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for $20 off. Of course, terms apply. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, App State, what are, what are they bringing? Well, uh, two big things I want to point out. Number one, uh, you might recall part, part of the reason they were so good on offense last year. Yeah, it was the Carolina defense fell apart a little bit, but Chase Bryce was a great quarterback. You know, he'd been at Duke before, uh, but... He has graduated, so Carolina will not be tussling with him on Saturday. It projected to be Ryan Berger, but he hurt a finger last week, and so Carolina is going to be out three to four weeks, um, according to uh, the App State's coaching staff. And so the Tarheels are going to face a backup, which sounds nice, but might need to instill a little fear in you. I'll explain why. So they're going to be facing Joey Aguilar, who was a junior college transfer from Diablo Valley Community College. That's an awesome name, Diablo, Diablo Valley. It's, but think about it. Last year, think of all the backups Carolina faced. Uh, Drew Pine from Notre Dame. That was a loss. Zach Gibson, fourth stringer at Georgia Tech. That was a loss. Uh, ben Finley, third stringer at NC State. And I hate to bring that up, but it was a loss. Cade Klubnik, he didn't start the game, but he finished it for Clemson. That's another loss. Gotta change this narrative. Gotta go out and beat a backup for crying out loud. Isn't that weird to think about how so, like four of the five losses last year were to backups? Wild stuff there. Gotta get it done. Another thing that Carolina has to do is stop App State's ground attack. Let me read you just a couple quotes from Coach Mac Brown. Quote, they play tough, they run the ball. South Carolina gave up on the run. App State's not going to give up on the run. So we really won't know how we're going to play against the run until this weekend. They totally embarrassed us defensively last year and changed the narrative of who we were. We have a load on our shoulders to go back and prove that the narrative we changed on Saturday night is real. End quote from Mac Brown. I love this. He's saying, listen, you guys, you think you did something against South Carolina's running attack? Congrats that you think that. They gave up on it. App State, they won't. They have three returning linemen from last year, and they're looking to push you around in the trenches, so you better get out there, D-line, and work again just like last week. Mac Brown is on fire right now, and I'm here for it. I don't know if it's the weight he lost or what. Maybe it's the Tez stuff, but he is chirping Mac Brown, my guy. So, Time to make some predictions. Let's talk about what this game is going to look like. Again, I'm kind of watching to help me think through this. I'm watching to see if the defense can do it again. Nine sacks last week, 17 in the entirety of last year. That's more than half of last year's total in one game. Last year, 51 total tackles for loss. Last week, they had 16 of them. 
Last week, they held Carolina to 17 points. Last season, Carolina only held one opponent all season long under 20, and they already did it one time in the first game. Can these Tar Heels make it? uh, Can they surpass that in just two weeks? I say yes. One of the struggles last year, we talked about this last week, is Carolina's inability to get a lead and hold it. They can get the lead, but they couldn't hold it last year. Can they do that in this game? Remember last year, once again, Carolina led App State 41 to 21 going into the fourth quarter. They're going to have that again? I say not. I say Carolina is going to get a lead and hold it. So I say, yes, they can do that. The other thing is, can we keep this game under 124 combined points? Because that was the total last year. I say yes. So as we look at FanDuel, it's got Carolina as 18 and a half point favorites and an over under set at 58 and a half points. And I know that seems almost laughable. That's less than half of last year's total. I'm going to say Carolina wins this game 42 to 17. So that means that they do keep a second straight opponent under 20 points. That means that they uh, do cover, and that means that it also hits the over over by half a point. That's 59 total points. So heels cover, the game hits the over, and the heels cover, and the heels hold a second opponent under 20. I'm in on all those things. The Tar Heels need another win, and preferably one of the decisive nature. Please and thank you very much. More than a one-score margin. Put this one away, and put it away early with emphasis got to do it got to keep proving that last week was not a fluke hey lots of great action going on around carolina this weekend make sure you check it out unfortunately outside of the football game it's all road action women's soccer won thursday at number 10 south carolina two to one men's soccer is at virginia tech friday field hockey is at old dominion sunday Volleyball is at Michigan Friday, Michigan State Sunday. So lots of action going on. Unfortunately, the football game is the only thing you can watch at home this weekend. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Tar Heels this week. Always great to be together. I hope you have had a great week. I know that I have. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow me at Isaac Shade. Email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe on audio and video formats. If you're watching, smash the like button. And hey, we'd love to hear your comments on what you think, how this game will play out. Everydayers, thanks so much for being with us. As always, if you're a guest or you're new here, welcome in. It's a lot of fun. Come be with us all the time. Hey, even in the face of bad news about Tez Walker, I want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Be back with you to unpack the game on Monday. A little short recap on Saturday. But until then, peace. Peace.